So this week I'm speaking on the last of the uh, seven um, church, IBCBI church core values. Uh, I'm speaking on send, uh, the word send or sending, always sending. Uh, by this, I don't mean just the people who are sent out in the mission field. As a, an international church with many expats, we obviously have our fair share. And it has been a joy and a privilege, uh, but also a sadness to see many people, uh, many friends come and go. But we also hope that in the short time that these brothers and sisters in Christ have spent with us has been a time of learning and growth. And in that sense, we are sending anyone who has spent time with us uh, and hope that they can continue to in their growth and work as a Christian as they go out from us. And we keep in touch with many of them. Uh, so uh, we, Derek has come to speak to us many times, um, as does Craig and Billy, um, Anthony, etc. Though you know, These um, many friends of ours we, we keep praying for. Um, and I'm sure with people coming in uh, and people going out, we will continue to see uh, and, and make many new friends who hopefully we will see physically in eternity, but also hopefully before then. Now, as a, a young Christian, I, I never felt the call to missionary work. Uh, and I wondered whether that was because uh, maybe there was something wrong with me or whether I was afraid of it. And I think that is a concern for many young Christians. Um, now, now, God, having used me in many places, having often just dropped me into those situations, uh, not that I'm not serving willingly and joyfully before any of you question my role uh, in being forced to take up the leadership of this church. Uh, but I know that uh, like Jonah, if this is not me being Jonah, well, I know that if God wanted me somewhere, if God wanted me in the mission fields in some remote part of the world, he would have sent a big fish to swallow me up and place me there. Which is probably not why I'm a great fan of sea travel, but uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, but God has throughout my life just, you know, kind of uh, dropped me into these situations, forced me in these posi uh, positions uh, and when I look back on them, they are times of my greatest trial and but also growth, um, greatest joys uh, and greatest learning and has brought me nearer to him uh, to learn to love him uh, and others more. So I speak. Uh, I'm going to speak today on sending. Uh, let me pray for me as we continue. Father, we pray that. Uh, as we look at your word, that we can learn from it, uh, I pray that you are speaking through me, uh, not just uh, my words, but your words, uh, that we can humble ourselves to learn from your word, to um, open our hearts, to be changed by you, to grow in you, to be changed uh, and be more like you as a witness for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me just share this. Okay. So 
Now, this is what's written on the church wall. Uh, let me read this. Send, always sending. We gather for a season and then are sent to the ends of the earth. Every effort must be made to send out believers who are deeper, stronger disciples than when they arrived. We send out expecting the greatest day of our kingdom in impact are ahead of us, uh, ahead of each of us. So I'm going to break this down into three parts. The, how, the, the why, the how and the who. The firstly, obviously, is the why. Firstly, we, we need to know the why. If we don't know the why, the purpose of what we're doing, then we are wandering aimlessly. We are not uh, able to train people properly. We are sending people out without a reason and without a purpose. So we know, need to know why we are doing this. Now, the most obvious uh, one of these is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, of course, I could spend, and I have done, spend a whole sermon uh, or several sermons unpacking this. But note that Jesus' command, uh, Jesus's command to the disciples, um, obviously unfulfilled in their lifetime, or perhaps even in ours, um, nations uh, correctly... Uh, Nations um, is more correctly translated as people groups. So those that God sends might be to teach, maybe in a, an expensive private school, a calling that comes with nice perks and privileges, I know, but also with teaching the wealthy children. I, I've learned over the years it comes with hard ground. Sending to the nations could also be a calling to you to make disciples and teach about Jesus to your workplace, to your colleagues, or where you live, to your neighbours, where you shop, to the person you strike up a conversation with in a queue, or where you sit down for, uh, for lunch. Or it could be your hobby, or the people you talk to online. Nowadays, there's even uh, even uh, an outlet for people who are shy, who will just maybe lurk on the Internet. Lurk is a terrible word, isn't it? Um, people who will just be on the Internet. And I've recommended that before for people who are stuck in lockdown. There are lots of discussion forums out there and lots of young Christians who you can encourage. But also opportunities for evangelism even among the Christian community. Uh, and then there is the verse that we uh, studied last year in the book of Romans. Romans 10, verse 14 to 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom, him whom, of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. So Paul is writing to the, the Roman church, and this letter would have been passed on, encouraging them to send out people who will preach, because people cannot believe if they have not heard. They can't hear without someone preaching to them. And what is this good news? This good news is the gospel, that Jesus, the Son of God, came to die in the place of sinners, like all of us here, to take as a substitutionary sacrifice their sin and enable us to have a relationship with God and a promised place in heaven in his family. Now, that's amazing news and something that we really should be thinking about and wanting to share all the time. If we believe that, that we have a promised place in heaven in God's family. Eternity as a child of God. But how can others know if they have not heard? And I will say this again and again. If you are thinking that you are being a good Christians, uh, sorry, a good Christian, and your friends and colleagues have not heard that simple message, then what have you done? As you know, have you done your simple job as a Christian and shared the message? How can they know if they have not heard? And how can they believe if they have not heard? And who will tell them? Well, that already touches on the how and the who, um, but it also covers the why. Because if we don't, we are selfish. And if we want to, uh, and, and somehow it, it seems strange that we want to spend eternity without our friends and families and colleagues. And I know that it's not easy and it's scary. Uh, to share that message with our family who uh, we know kind of what we almost know what their reaction might be. But we don't know until we do it. Our friends and our colleagues who might have laughed at religion and religious people before. Or are kind of, uh, yeah, the sarcastic one or the, the difficult one, the people who kind of are cynical. No, it's not easy to, to, to preach. But if we share that simple message, well, that's all that God asks us to do, isn't it? How can they know unless they have heard? It's selfish, isn't it, to keep this amazing news to ourselves. We don't keep any other amazing news to ourselves. I get announcements of new babies all the time through, through the email or through Facebook or a wedding. Let's move on to the how. Now, I keep returning to this verse, and, um, and this has been something that underpins my understanding of the Bible. And, you know, um, let me read it out. 2 Timothy 3.16. Uh, this is the NIV version, which is the memory verse I learned in college, and it's well worth remembering it. 
All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man and the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And just in case some of you are screaming, no, I'm not adding to the Bible by adding and woman in there. I could go into great lengths as to why this refers to both men and women, and contextually, it's right, but isn't this isn't the time or the place. If you want to talk to me about that, yeah, yeah talk to me afterwards. Uh, it is for all of us. So how is this uh, favorite verse of mine relevant here? Well, the key words here for this sermon is that uh, the man of God is thoroughly equipped how can we send out people without thoroughly equip, equipping them and i've said this time and again that i joined this church because of sound biblical teaching not because of the incredibly friendly people here or you know the, the beautiful people here uh not because of the amazing music or the convenient location if a church does not have sound biblical teaching, I will not stay long. And sadly, in my travels, when I often pop into churches, if I'm around on a Sunday, there does seem to be a lack of that when I go to lots of different churches, even those that claim to be evangelical. Whilst I see the importance of taking uh, these seven weeks to define our core values, I actually don't enjoy giving these sermons. Um, the reason for this, or rather I enjoy them less than the other sermons. The reason for this is that it takes away from those sermons that are driven by the books of the Bible that we're working on. So most of the year we spend working our way through a book of the Bible expository teaching and we what we do is we take up the passage we open it up and we um uh we we uh preach on what the passage is saying not on what we might impose on the passage and there's the danger there of when we take a theme that we just pick our favorite verses to kind of uh, um tell about that theme and there is a danger i, I do that here but that's not to say I haven't done much research on this topic. Now, uh, I do nowadays have a better routine of listening to quiet times than I used to. Um, and that has been a great joy and a blessing to me. But nothing beats digging into the Bible uh, that I am forcing myself to speak on. The Bible study leaders can probably attest to this. I'm sure they can. To delve deeply into a passage and to tease out the, the meaning and the application is a lot of hard work, but has resulted for me in so much joy and growth in my life. I hope that you felt challenged as I, I, I challenge myself in every sermon and if I don't feel challenged by what I preach about, then I feel as if I failed. And this, again, is why I've worked hard to make sure that we have Bible studies. Uh, when I was handed uh, this leadership uh, that um, I asked 
And thankfully, the Bible study leaders uh, were really receptive to it. And they, again, have been a great blessing to me and the church. The Bible studies were very uh, Bible study leaders were very receptive to us studying the same book from the same material so that we have that unified uh, you know, study that we are doing, studying together as a church, but from really solid material so that we can uh, have good teaching. Uh, and that's why I'm, I think it's so important that this church has those Bible studies and I'm constantly recommending people join those studies, not just uh, for for the, uh, the the Bible study, but also for the fellowship as well and the strengthening of those bonds. But the Bible study is incredibly important and that should be the focus of those those meetings. I know in other churches they have fellowship groups where they may study a little bit of the Bible occasionally. Um, and that, I mean, that concerns me. I, I think uh, the Bible study should be the focus of those meetings and the fellowship comes second just because we are teaching and equipping people. And if we are to send out people, if people are to leave the church more equipped than when they came uh, in, then this is what we need. It doesn't just mean uh, that uh, it doesn't. So it doesn't mean that we don't need also need good encouraging fellowship we can benefit hugely out of that we can learn much from that and charity as we've already seen today uh, the ladies engaging with supporting others learning to give learning to realize that all that we have been given is by god and that we should be giving and providing for others we can learn from that and i know that uh or i'm sure that others are doing their part in different ways in in supporting others during this time there is much to be learned from these things but our primary source of being equipped has to be the word of god without it we are vulnerable and it brings me to this next uh passage psalm verse uh, chapter one verses one to six Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a plant, a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff uh, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Do you see in the difference here, the righteous and the wicked? And there doesn't seem to be any middle ground, but let's uh, come to that. The blessed one who is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it, his Lord, day and night. And that feeds him like a tree. The wicked, however, are blown like, the, like chaff in the wind. And we see this with the parable of the sower. The seeds go out, which is the word of the Lord. 
And those who don't have good roots are blown away or wither away when the sun comes. Some of you know that I've, uh, and I've talked about just now, uh, I've had many online dealings with young Christians. I am spending a, a fair amount of time online encouraging young Christians. I see many who don't know their Bible, who seem lost and are being you know, metaphorically blown this way and that way. And they bend to the latest thought or modern way of thinking, society's way of thinking. And they're just confused as to what they should be doing. So they reach out and they cry out and they don't know what to do. Well, as if they knew their Bible and it's you know, just very simple verses. If they knew their Bible and they had a, a better understanding of Jesus and what he's done then there I could see that they would be anchored. The Bible equips us for every good work. We need to look there for the answers. And finally, the who. Now, the easy answer, which I've already alluded to, is you. The who is you. And in, uh, in much of a sense, that is true. But let's also have a look at a couple of passages. 2 Timothy uh, 4, verse 1 to 6, preach the word. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and that by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort, and with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As you always sober-minded, enduring, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? As I said, I'm on the internet talking to lots of different people. There seems to be so much craziness that is going on today. Flat earthers, conspiracy theories, alien chasers, people who are campaigning and putting themselves into danger and violence because they can't handle a mask. I saw a video online, I don't want to speak too much about it, but uh, you know, someone uh, who put a video of a child who was trying to resist putting on a mask. And she said, that, I will never do this to my child, it is child abuse. And my immediate response to that is I've, I've seen this, a child have the same response to putting on trousers or pants or underwear or a shirt. Is that child abuse? Because it's uncomfortable, yes, but that it might be legally kind of required or it's safer to have a mask. It seems craziness. There seems so much craziness. In the UK this last week, the news reported that six uh, fuel pumps, you know, you know, petrol stations in the UK, it's called, not, yeah, not gas, um, but petrol stations were running out of petrol. 
And so there was a rush. And so there was a nationwide petrol shortage because everyone rushed out to fill up their cars. See, that seems like craziness because the news reported that the six petrol stations were running short. And now there's a nation, there was a nationwide shortage. But this has always been the case that people, or rather, you know, since Paul's time, we can see that people will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. I think it's got worse with the internet because it's, it's so easy to find people with the same crazy theories as you or with the same mindset as you. It's been often uh, compared to the Tower, uh, Tower of Babel, where people are speaking their own languages and splitting off into their groups, their people groups now, because they can find people with their own language. And it is this great tower of technology has now uh, become this divisive uh, tool. But back to this uh, verse. But as for you, do the work of an evangelist. You see, this passage is saying that not everyone is called to be an evangelist. God may well be calling you to go and preach to the primitive tribes in Borneo and put yourselves in danger. But equally, God may be calling you to that wealthy corporate job, that accountancy or law firm or medicine and being a doctor. There are people in whom, in those jobs, in those workplaces, in those offices, who will never hear the word of God without someone in their office who has dedicated their life to God and can't help but share the good news of the word of God. Someone whose life isn't just about money or power or security or comfort or hedonism or their family. Now, I hope, like me, you're thinking, what do I spend most of my time talking to my colleagues about? Do I obsess about those other things as I shouldn't? And I hope that's a challenge to you. It is to me. God's calling may not for be for you to be a missionary or even an evangelist, but it is to do the work of an evangelist. Now, I know that there might be some people who are listening to the, this passage and, and knowing the, the context of this passage saying, didn't he write that to Timothy, who was a young pastor? How is that relevant to me? He was in full time ministry. Surely this isn't for me. Well, I want to remind you that Paul has written these letters to be read out loud to the church. They were read out loud to the church and then sent on to other churches to read. And God has placed by his spirit these passages for us. God has preserved these passages. And to my last verse, this is in 1 Peter 3.15. I don't know why that glass is doing there with the apple uh, but I thought it was a nice kind of image but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect if we are meeting in the flesh if we are meeting in the church 
uh, as I hope we will do soon, I would now send you out into uh, out of the church. I won't kick you out immediately. Um, as soon as I uh, send you out of this meeting, this Zoom meeting, um, I would ask that you have an answer to those who ask about the reason for the hope that you have. Are you living lives that are different and have a different hope? So that's going back to my previous point. In your language, in your talk, in what you what you kind of talk about, in what you uh, what you share with your colleagues and with your friends, do you have a different hope? I thinking about it now. So my friends. Uh, from university, uh, a particularly kind of sarcastic and cynical lot, keep sending me kind of little videos or yeah, articles about kind of trying to disprove God or kind of, um, and when I, when I see those, I, I, it kind of like, part of me is like, ah, not another one. But I've got to be glad in some ways, haven't I? Because at least they know that I'm a Christian and they know Hopefully they can see that I live a life that is different and that I have a different purpose for my life. And I'm hoping that and that they will ask and question occasionally. And they have in the past, once or twice, rarely. And notice about this passage. It's to be done with gentleness and respect. There is no place in the Christian ministry for jamming our message down the throats of the unwilling. Because that's what we are afraid of as being seen, aren't we? But you know, the, the Bible says that we aren't to do that. But we are to share it as the work of an evangelist. How do they know how do you know whether they are willing or not? That's what I want to ask you as well. We are so afraid of jamming our, our message, uh, Christian, the Christian message down the throats of the unwilling to be seen as the outcast, to be seen as that guy or that woman. But how do you know whether they're unwilling or not unless you share it? If they have a negative reaction to the gospel, then that's actually to be expected. The Bible says that we will expect that. But they shouldn't have a negative reaction to you. And what will they say in eternity when judgment comes? Now, this is a, a harsh challenge to me and to all of us. What will they say in eternity when, uh, when judgment comes? Will they turn to you and say, why didn't you tell us? We were working alongside you every day. And I know that Rico Tice, who leads All Souls in, in London, uh, All Souls Church in London, which is where John Stott uh, used to preach, uh, and he took over from John Stott, his, he has on his wall, where will they be in eternity? And that is a constant challenge. So as a church, we are always sending people out. And even if they are leaving for all sorts of reasons, whether they want to or not, they have to go home, back to their homes. 
Um, we are sending them out. We hope that they will be going better equipped when they, when they came. And if they aren't, if there are gaps in our ministry, um, as I'm sure there are, please do tell me and please consider whether you can step up to fill them. So we uh, preach from the Bible every week in hopes to better equip you. We want to come alongside you and uh, answer your questions. We want you to join the Bible studies and have fellowship so that we can encourage one another more and more as the day approaches. Let me pray. Father, teach us, mold us, break us if we need to. Lord, that's a, a difficult thing to ask. Break us if our, if our pride is getting in the way. Lord, we pray that you can prepare us to witness for your glory and give us the boldness as we do. Lord, we also pray for gentleness and love, love which spurs us to share your gospel with our friends and our colleagues and our loved ones. Lord, we pray, show us those opportunities. Give us clear guide, yeah, give us clear signs because we're so rubbish at picking up on them for those opportunities to speak. Lord, we pray that you can give us a passion for reading and learning about you. Help us to have uh, the discipline to sit down and learn from your word. And Lord, we pray that we can, uh, we pray for those who have been sent out. We pray for uh, Derek in Scotland and Craig and Billy and Anthony and Mike and Philip and Shireen, Philippe and Shireen. Lord, so many have gone out here from here. We pray for um, those who are away from us now. Lord, we pray that you are continuing to grow your church and that one day we can have a joyful reunion and celebrate as we are uh, joined again with these people in eternity and singing your praises. In Jesus' name, amen.